Hello there, how are you doing? Welcome, thank you for tuning in. As always, this is the Not The Top 20 podcast betting show. It is sponsored by Betfair and we are previewing an EFL weekend which is absolutely throbbing with games. 36 of them. We couldn't be more excited to have the championship back and a full slate across all three divisions. I'm Ali Maxwell, with me George Ellick and it was your week again George, last week on The Betting Show, in rare form at the moment. Rare form? I'd say so, yeah. I mean, that is a phrase, by the way. That's not... I know. It doesn't mean, like, you're never on form. It's just... That's just a phrase. Yeah, we've run the numbers. Or when I say we've run the numbers, um, Hugh, (laughs) who listens to the podcast, very kindly keeps track of our selections, and and you've shown me the numbers. And I'm 11.93 points up for the season off off 24 states. So basically an ROI of 50%. Only let down last week for the from the clean sweep by Tranmere, Hartlepool, Jorno Bet. Hartlepool looked the likely to st- score, and then the Jorno Bet was scuppered later on with the Tranmere winner. Mm. Um, but yeah, I was glad to see that the quite basic Harry Smith to score any time, just looking at the XG, and just he scored twice, which was lovely. <laughs> um, and I did say I back him first and last as well, even though that doesn't come onto the um, doesn't come onto the PNL. So hopefully, a few people out there were on the big man Smith. Um, to get his goals. What does it mean to be in rare form? Behaving or performing in a way that is especially clever, skillful, or amusing, etc. There you go. Amazing. I assume you mean I assume you mean that I'm being very amusing on the podcast at the moment. All of the <laughs> above. I got my nap up last weekend. It was pretty fortunate, I must admit, Bristol Rovers beating Crawley, but they were poor in that game. Um, both of our naps came in. You had Nap Crington Stanley at Evens, and I had Bristol Rovers at uh, twenty one to twenty. Um Neither of our next bests came in. You were right to lay Mansfield and I was scuppered by an early red card at Scunthorpe, Northampton, which um, kind of ended that one before it even started. You had the unders, didn't you? Bristol Rovers against Crawley, under 2.5 at 23 to 20. And Harry Smith, as you mentioned, my goals and goal scorer bets were poor. So plenty to work on. This podcast is for over 18s only. Please, if you're listening and you're thinking of having a bet this weekend on the EFL, do so responsibly. Understand the risks that come with betting. Understand that you should never bet more than you can afford to lose. Please don't chase losses uh, and please bet responsibly. Head to BeGambleAware.org for more information around the risks that come with gambling. We're going to head into this throbbing docket, George, starting with Hmm. naps. We got both of them up last weekend. Let's do that again, I reckon. What have you gone for ahead of this EFL weekend? Get them up. I'm backing QPR to go to Reading and beat them at 7-5. to Basically, I, I think we're in a position here where there, there are, there's reason to believe that at some stage Reading are, are going to improve. You know, they've lost five of the six games they've had in all competitions so far this season. They beat Preston 2-1 at a time where both teams were looking pretty poor. Although Preston have, well, it looked like they've improved in the last couple of weeks. Reading have brought in loads of new players. Now, I think Junior Hoylet is one that will probably improve them. Um, Alan Halilovic should improve them but realistically we don't really know he didn't have a great time of it last season at, at Birmingham how about as good as a new signing Ovi Ajaria finally out of isolation yeah Ajaria is is a big plus I mean that he's quite clearly of all these players we're talking about the the best of the lot and the proven quality in the championship um some of the other players though like I would almost if, if given I'm, ha- I'm having this bet on QPR I think I would probably quite like to see Danny Drinkwater in the midfield on Saturday. I don't think I would be too bothered to see Scott Dan lining up at centre-back on Saturday. You know, these are guys who, yes, they're names, and yes, they've done it before and much higher 
in their careers, but their career is on a massive decline. And it's quite rare that you get players whose career is in such decline to then suddenly turn it around uh, at, at a later stage. Certainly with Drinkwater, he's a player that I used to absolutely love. Um, you know, back in those in that Nigel Pearson Leicester team, when he was a young centre midfielder, just completely running games, he was so great. But he's just not that player anymore. Um, so, yeah, I'm not too concerned about those reinforcements. And I do think Reading will improve at some point. But until they do, I'm happy to keep getting against them. And for me, it's the perfect team for them to come up against in order to get against them here in QPR, who have had such a brilliant start. They're unbeaten in their seven games in all comps. Um, we've seen them go away from home in the league already and beat, I would say, better opposition than, than Reading have been so far in Hull, who they like hammered 3-0. Uh, even though Hull had chances in that game. Um, Dickie gets all the headlines, but there are plenty of other players doing really good things. And Willock and Chair are in decent form create creatively um, and are linking up together very well. Um, there's just, <clears throat> and I think Inseni Dieng is probably um, one of the best keepers in the division uh, who provides, you know, I think quite often this season we've seen when maybe the def- defence has finally been breached. It's been Dieng who's been the last line of it to, to, to protect them as well. Uh, I just think the QPR are a much better team in a much better place going into this game. Um, there'd be heavy odds on if they were at home. Uh, and I, I just don't think that um, the 7-5 to five, it may seem like a short price for an away team in the championship. But I, I, I think it's plenty generous enough to think that the better team between these two sides will prevail on Saturday. OK, so my nap is a double, unusually. And that's because I found this a fairly tricky slate to work through and I've landed with double. two strong favourites that I think are good for it both in the championship my nap is Bournemouth and Fulham to win against Barnsley and Blackpool respectively the price with Betfair Sportsbook for the double is 2.83 now we'll start with Bournemouth who I haven't been in love with performances-wise so far this season in the first five games, even though they've remained unbeaten and they have nine points from five games, which is a very good return. From here, we're going to see a different Bournemouth side, one that I'm really excited about. We we had talked a lot in the first few weeks about Bournemouth waiting for players to come back from injury or suspension in the case of Lerma, how they had four or five properly young, inexperienced youngsters starting every single game. And in those conditions, to stay unbeaten is very, very impressive. Apart from West Brom on opening day, very few teams have have created a lot of chances against them. They threw away a two-goal lead against Blackpool to draw 2-2. They drew nil all with Hull in their last league game. Hull didn't have a shot on target in that game. So again, Bournemouth defensively looking pretty solid. I think from now they really kick on and I'm excited to see where they can get to. I think having Stacey back makes a huge difference because... Smith started the first game at right back and then picked up an illness. Chris Meppham played right back for three games in a row. Now, Meppham is not who David Brooks, as much as I'm sure they're friends from the Wales set up. He's not who Brooks <laughs> wants offering him a foil down the right side. Stacey in an interview this week said, I think Chris has done quite well in my absence, but I didn't see him make a single overlapping run. Um, and that is a gag, but I think it's actually quite serious analysis because Stacey being back, playing right back, makes a huge difference in an attacking sense to what Bournemouth are able to do, what Brooks is able to do as well. But I'm looking at their FB ref page. I'm looking at minutes played so far for Bournemouth. The following players 
some of whom, of course, have only just signed, but are now Bournemouth squad members, have played less than a third of minutes so far in the league. You've got Stacey and Smith, the right-backs. Gary Cahill, of course, is ready when needed. Jefferson Lerma and Ben Pearson missed the first few games. They're both back now. They both started last time out. Lewis Cook will be back in a few weeks. Ryan Christie signed on deadline day. Junior Stanislas has barely played, has picked up an injury back in a few weeks. Then they've also got Jamal Lowe and Morgan Rogers, who I've kind of earmarked for that left wing role that Jaden Anthony's been playing in. All of those players ready to go and have essentially barely featured for Bournemouth this season. It just shows how much quality they've got to come into the side. You know, of the guys who have played 66% of the minutes or more, you've got youngsters Ibsen Rossi, Kilkenny, the big switch, Zamura, Jaden Anthony. <laughs> These are the guys who will see their minutes drop. And I think the replacements, albeit those youngsters have done well, are going to massively raise the, the floor of this team. So I, I just think from the start this weekend, you're going to look at Bournemouth starting 11 and you're going to see a very different starting 11 to what we saw in August. And I think they'll be stronger than Barnsley because I don't think so far there's anything to suggest that Barnsley are anywhere near the level that they were at last season under Ishmael. Um, they have had good spells in games, particularly that first half on QPR, probably benefited from being live on TV that because people were watching a, a really lively Barnsley side who created a ton of good chances and were playing well. But in the second half, they threw it away. And outside of that game, I would say they've been pretty poor overall. They're one of those teams who's got one win and it was a very lucky win as well against Coventry who essentially dominated them that game. So... I'm not convinced that Barnsley's performance levels are particularly high. I think they're they're playing like a bottom half team at the very best. Um, Kitching's obviously suspended for this one. Arpo Halmer will come in. Definitely doesn't give the technical ability that Kitchen has. Carlton Morris's injury is not helping. I'm hoping that we might see one of their new Belgian strikers, Leia Iseka, uh, whose shop said is, is ready to go. But generally, I think Bournemouth can be strong here at home uh, and beat Barnsley. And Blackpool versus Fulham, I mean, a little less detail in the write-up here, but essentially Blackpool still finding their feet, definitely still finding their best 11, still trying to work out what shape will be best ultimately to suit the, the team that they've got, the players that they've signed, the players coming back from injury. They've also got guys picking up injuries like Ward, who who's an important midfielder for them, is now out for a long, long time. I think they're trying to find their identity and it's not a great time to be doing so um, coming up against Fulham. At the very least, they have a right back now, two of them, in fact, who they signed on deadline day. But I don't think Blackpool look very strong at centre-back. I don't think they look very strong in the centre of the park. And I think any team needs to basically play a 10 out of 10 game to get something against Fulham. I don't see Blackpool having that this weekend. And I don't think I need to say why Fulham are good for a win because every game, barring opening day, where Borough scored with their first shot on target, uh, Fulham have won every game in complete comfort. And teams <coughs> really struggling to, to get near them, essentially, and certainly struggling to get near their goal in order to hurt them, struggling even more to cope with the flood of quality attacking players. So it is a, a nap double. Bournemouth and Fulham, for me, this weekend in the Championship, combined 2.83 with Betfair Sportsbook. Uh, next best, George. My next best, I'm backing Forest Green to beat Northampton Town at even money. Um, we've seen a little bit of a drop-off in terms of both performances and results from, from Forest Green, it has to be said. So you look you look at their last four results in all comps, not that you can really judge them too harshly for a Carabao Cup defeat to Brentford or really a Papa John's penalty defeat to their opponents on Saturday, but they haven't won any of them. Um, and the 2-0 loss to Port Vale was, was quite jarring, to be honest, for those of us who are... Um, who are financially invested in Forest Green this season. Uh, and then the 0-0 draw away at Exeter, they put in a pretty good performance, extra decent team. I don't think there's too much to be negative about that. But I do think those two, specifically those two performances and results have maybe eased their position in the market. And I am not um, 
really changing my thoughts on them. I still think they are one of the best, if not the best team in, in the division. I think they'll continue to operate at a very high level. And I think we can take advantage of the fact that they're playing against the Cobblers side who occupy a pretty high place in the table, despite, in my opinion, not really doing too much this season to suggest that they're going to stay there. You know, their their data pre-Scunthorpe was, was, was very, very poor. Um, but they then, it's been massively skewed now. And that's the issue with these XG tables and stuff at this early stage is that now they've jumped from being kind of 20th for XG and open play forward to fourth because they played against 10-man Scunthorpe at home for 70 minutes and had 22 shots, plenty of which were decent chances. So I'm pretty happy to to draw something of a line through that Scunthorpe game. Um, I don't think Scunthorpe are very good. I don't think they're very good with 10 men. And I think that what we saw from Northampton, it's kind of what you should expect a team, a mid-table team to do to a, a poor League Two side at home. Um yeah, it's two rookie managers. I think in Rob Edwards, it, there's a manager that I have more faith in to be the better tactician. Um, we've spoken so much about all the different ways that Forest Green can hurt you, and that remains true. You know, it's going to be Matt and Stevens. It's going to be Adams in behind. It's going to be um, uh, the two wide players, uh, Cadden. I think Cadden's back, isn't he? Anyway, I mean, there's a plethora of options anyway uh, in, in terms of an attacking centre. They're also very solid at the back. So, um, I think if this game had happened a couple of weeks ago, Forest Green would have been a, a fair bit of odds on. Um, and I think they probably should be. So my next best is Forest Green, even money to return to winning ways at home um, against Northampton Town. Well, my next best has already come in. It was you to pick Forest Green on this weekend's betting show. Um, there you go. It was only five to one on. Um, so not, <laughs> not, a, not a huge winner, but it's just good to get you know something in the bank especially yeah. ahead of the weekend my other next best is uh wickham draw no bet uh, who are wickham playing this weekend george how dare you you'll be there how won't you how dare you i'll be there in yeah. the oxford um, mail end uh it's not called that anymore is it i don't think isn't it the jim smith stand uh it is yes correct of course it is what a fabulous manager anyway i think your opponents wickham wanderers are value here uh draw no bet at five to four two point two five if you like a decimal and Part of this is laying down the gauntlet to Oxford United and their manager, Carl Robinson, and anyone who supports them. Because last season, and I know you don't like me bringing this up, but it's a fact. Last season against top half teams in League One, Oxford's record was four wins, seven draws and 11 defeats. That is 19 points from 22 games, less than one point per game against the top half. That is the top half of the division, not the top two or anything. If you take Gillingham, Accrington and Crewe out, who are the teams that finished 10th, 11th and 12th, and just look at the top nine of which Oxford were, were obviously a part of it. One win, seven draws, eight defeats. That's 10 points from 16 games. So... For me, this is Oxford's biggest test of the season. I think Wickham are certainly a top half team, probably a top nine team, maybe a top six team. And also, stylistically, the yang to Oxford United's ying. I'm not sure this is necessarily a, a 90 minutes that Oxford will enjoy because Wickham will impose physicality on them. Wickham will be happy to let Oxford have the ball to soak up uh, pressure um, with Oxford in possession. And they will be very much targeting uh, counter-attacks, which Oxford can be vulnerable to, and set-piece chances, which Oxford are certainly vulnerable to. They're going to turn this into a battle, and, and yeah, I'm not sure yellows are that suited to this. Um, set-pieces were, were your downfall against Wimbledon, and guess which team has the second equal best record in terms of set-piece XG? Wickham. 
It is Wickham. Good guess. Um, Thank you. You've got quite a small starting eleven. I noticed at the moment. Outside of the centre-backs, obviously Gorin is big-ish. Outside of that, not a lot of height in general, I wouldn't say. Ryan Williams was marking Will Nightingale on Saturday. so <laughs> Right, exactly. <laughs> um, you can be sure that whether Ryan Williams or Anthony Ford plays at right-back, you can be sure that Ainsworth will be targeting them immensely. Vokes will pin himself on them, McCleary, whoever it might be. That will be... You know, if that is a, a bruise, a vulnerability, that will be pushed at by uh, by Wickham Wanderers. I think it's a really interesting game, and it feels like quite a significant one as well to to get an idea of where both teams are and in comparison to each other. Uh, I just think that Wickham are being undervalued here. They've started the season well, as have Oxford, um, but I don't think there's quite as much between the two sides that's maybe being put in here. What I what I should flag up, which is only fair to do so, is that you guys have won I think seven league games in a row at the Cats. Mm. So I'm sure that sort of form uh, will be built into this price. Uh, but I'm, I just think Wickham are the value here. So I'm going draw no bet, 2.25, uh, 5 to 4, Wickham as my next best. Draw no bet against Oxford this weekend. Don't forget, guys, that Betfair have no cash-out suspensions on match odds for all EFL games, which is pretty smart. Uh, it applies to singles and multiples. So if you bet on match odds for all EFL games with Betfair, there will be no cash-out suspensions while the games are in running. Let's make the most of the Betfair exchange, George, with our lay bets. There's actually a lot of potentially vulnerable favourites. If you look at the pricing in the EFL, six teams in the championship under even money out of 12. Birmingham, Bournemouth, Fulham, West Brom, Stoke and Sheffield United. In League One, you've got Sunderland, Wigan and Rotherham all around the 1.6-ish, 1.7 mark. And in League Two, it's just the Orient at home to the Oldham, who are um, uh, odds on. Who have you gone with for your lay bet this week? So I was I was torn between two. Uh, I was contemplating putting up one that you didn't mention there, Charlton, who are just a shade of of odds against uh, at home to Charlton because I think they might struggle to break Charlton down uh, in that one. But I'm going to go with Stoke at home to Huddersfield. Does look short. Um, Does look short. Yeah, I mean, it's I think I've been matched to one point eight. Um, which is which it is right now. I think it's 1.81 today, but if you put your layup at 1.8, you'll get matched. Um, I think Stoke's fixtures so far this season have been amongst the easiest in the championship until their last game. On opening day, they beat Reading at home 3-2. I've, I've already spoken about Reading, so I'm not going to do that again. They then went to Birmingham and got a decent point. They then played Swansea, who've had, had a very difficult start under Russell Martin, and beat them 3-1. They then hosted Nottingham Forest, who've had a very difficult start and beat them 1-0. So we've got kind of three not entirely convincing wins against three sides who have not had a very good start to the season. Arguably, I would say the three teams who probably underperformed the most, except for Sheffield United so far this season. Um, Then they've played Fulham. And any kind of ideas that Stoke had that maybe they were the class, you know, one, one of the best teams in the division, well, they, they were showing what the best team in the division looked like and, and, it, and it was much better than them. They're playing against the Huddersfield team who have had a, a, such a great start and it took me by surprise. I think it's taken most people by surprise. So impressed by what they've, what they've been doing and they come here off the back of a 4-0 win over Reading. They've beaten Sheffield United. Um, you know, the, I would say the form that they've shown at times this season has been of a higher level. You know, that I think whilst they too have had um, easier fixtures with Reading and uh, Preston as well, Sheffield United, all teams were down <laughs> towards the bottom end. What? When we were talking about Huddersfield the other day, my main takeaway was 
they haven't beaten anyone good yet, even though they've Definitely. won three games out of five. But I would say they've, they've done it more convincingly. And also they were they should have beaten Everton in the cup as well. Um, so that shows a level of form. So there. I, I, I'm not here saying I think they're going to win. I just think 1.8 about Stoke in what looks to me to be two sides who we don't know a great deal about just looks a bit short. Mm. Um, you know, I wouldn't want to be back in the 1.8. I think Huddersfield have, have done enough this season to, to get some respect. And certainly coming into this, you know, the the aggregate um, scoreline of these two coming into this is is a four-goal, four um, you know, advantage for Huddersfield and a three-goal deficit for Stoke. So if you're talking about your favourite web momentum, um, you know, one team comes into this on the back of a big win and one of them comes back, having been shown that maybe they're not quite as good as they, as they thought they were. Um, so, yeah, I think Stoke are, are a bit skinny at 1.8. For me, it has to be a lay of Sunderland at 1.65. And this is really nothing to do with Sunderland. This is about the price and their opposition uh, because all of the other examples that we touched on in League One and League Two particularly are strong teams playing undeniably weak teams. Rotherham hosting Fleetwood, very short. Wigan versus Donny, very skinny. Orient versus Oldham, very short. This is not that. This is a strong team playing a good team. Um, Accrington have been excellent. They've won four of their of their first six. They're on the same amount of points as Sunderland at the top of the table. They've got a really strong, settled mentality, a very settled system as well, but crucially one that's effective. Um, they've got three strikers now to choose from. Mumbongo having um, staked his claim over the last two weekends. Charles and Colby Bishop staying with the club. All of them a handful. Um, you'd have thought only two of them would start here and then one off the bench, which is a nice option. A nice mix of steel and, and ball playing in the midfield three and in the three at the back, to be honest. We highlighted Ross Sykes particularly, didn't we, on the on the Monday pod. Their wingbacks aren't the most exciting uh, in, the, in the leagues in terms of sort of speed and bombing on and whipping crosses in, but they're more sort of smart technical types. They're just a very patient team that understands what they are what they do well and what they maybe don't do so well and they avoid things they don't do so well mostly do the things that they do well quite well quite a lot of the time so I can certainly see why Sunderland are favourites but I like Accrington and I think if I'm honest we see it every season since Sunderland have been in League One and they open up um, in the outright market short favourites for the title without seemingly a lot of context being applied by the bookmakers I think their name gets factored into the price. And I think that gives an opportunity for, for punters to get against Sunderland, which isn't anything necessarily against the club itself. And I think here, both of the team names are probably being factored into to just how short this price is. So stature, history, etc. Um, you know that I'm not a big fan of, uh, of any sort of analysis that involves this is a big club or this is a little club. Um, I'm trying to look at these two teams, what these actual teams have done objectively this season. And I don't see Sunderland being the, the big scary team that Accrington have to be fearful of. Also, this fixture has been played twice in the last few years, Accrington away at Stadium of Light in the league, and it's been a two-all draw and a three-all draw. Uh, so Sunderland yet to beat Aki at the Stadium of Light in two. This isn't a case of little old Aki turning up at the Stadium of Light, wetting the bed with fear and rolling over, having their tummies tickled. Can you tell I just got a puppy? Because that was... <laughs> puppy analogy rather than car analogy this week um yes Sunderland do look a lot stronger than previously but frankly I think Accrington do too so I don't think Sunderland will have it easy which is why I'm laying them at 1.65 which I got matched for just a couple of hours ago laying Sunderland at 1.65 goals and goal scorers to finish us off George 
Yeah, going for goals at Morecambe against AFC Wimbledon. Uh, I think the reason we're getting a decent price for this is because Morecambe's defensive numbers this season are very, very good. Second lowest XG against of any team so far in League One, uh, which bodes well for them for the season, it must be said. Um, but we know about Wimbledon. And it was the same again <clears throat> on Saturday. They, they beat Oxford 3-1 at home. Uh, Oxford had loads of chances in the game. Wimbledon had loads of chances in the game. It was incredibly open because of the way that they um, play in games. I think the the only game is where we haven't really seen that have been when they've come up against sides like Sunderland, where you know maybe it's being overawed at the occasion. I don't really know, but that we saw them being a little bit more conservative. I don't think that's going to be the case here. Wimbledon are going to go to Morecambe full of confidence and believing that this is a great opportunity for them to get another three points and three points on the road as well. And as soon as that is the case, um, I think the game should open up and those good defensive numbers from Morecambe shouldn't really mean too much. You know, we've seen Wimbledon, I mentioned the 3-1, they had a 3 all draw with Bolton, they had a 2 all draw with Ipswich, they beat Pompey 5-3 midweek in the EFL Trophy. Like, they have these games that seem to kind of descend into, into chaos. Morecambe have only failed to score twice in their last 14 home games. Um, they are a team who generally put in a pretty high performance level at home. So I think this just looks to me like a game ripe for two sides who are likely to to score. And it could, you know, I went for the BTTS rather than the um, overs just because, you know, as I say, Morecambe's games maybe aren't the most high scoring, but I think both have enough about them to, to get on the score sheet. So yeah, BTTS and that one at four to five for me. Mine's a BTTS double. The first one is a no, no BTTS right. between Blackburn Rovers and Luton Town uh, on Saturday. Uh, this is 11 to 10, 2.1 BTTS, no Blackburn against Luton. And it's about Luton's away record since the start of last season and Nathan Jones being back at Kenilworth Road away from it. They've got a pretty clear game plan and it's just to shut the game down, keep it as low margin as possible. It's been a very, very effective way of them picking up points away from home. They won a lot of away games last season. I think seven out of nine of them, they won 1-0. Um, and they've already got a 1-0 away win under their belts this season as well. 18 of 23 last season away from home, BTTS no, 18 out of 23. One out of two so far this season. So 19 out of 25 BTTS no in Luton away games since the start of last season. I don't see why they would suddenly be going gung-ho uh, at Ewood Park this weekend. And Blackburn, I think this is why this would be BTTS no, is because I guess the bookies are still confident that Blackburn are a good attacking force. I'm not saying they're not, but it's definitely not to the same extent as last season. They're not nearly as gung-ho as before. Um, I think they've had a good start to the season, to be honest, because there was a lot of concern over the summer that they weren't replacing quality that they'd lost, particularly in Armstrong and I suppose in Harvey Elliott as well in terms of chance creation. But they're just not playing as gung-ho as before. They don't have someone like Armstrong who's going to take four shots a game. They don't have someone as good as Elliot at unlocking defences, dare I say it as well. In fact, they've taken the fewest open play shots in the league so far, um, Rovers. So a more pragmatic style from Blackburn, a bit more direct now with Gallagher and Brereton up front. They have added some more technical quality uh, on loan, Poveda, for example, and Clarkson um, as well, but they're not quite there yet. So I'm going BTTS, no Blackburn, Luton, and I'm pairing it with BTTS, yes, in Swindon against Port, Port Vale. This is at even money. So the double is just over three to one at 4.2. Swindon, lots of possession, lots of territory. I'd expect lots of shots, lots of quality on the ball, lots of creativity, everything they've shown in the league so far this season. 
probably with Simpson up front, who has got one goal. They're, they might be lacking the Doyle that they had a couple of years ago, but um, basically all the way up to the to the shot, I think they're playing really well. Vale taking fewer shots, but higher quality chances when they do come. Um, they started slowly. They, they, they drew a blank in their first two league games. But since then, it's five in their last three and, and showing some good signs going forward themselves. Um, Conlon is just as technical as anything that Swindon have. Uh, and he showed that last weekend against Rochdale. Swindon, I think, importantly here, because they are the home side, they are the favourite, they can be got at defensively, definitely. Um, Jojo Wallacott has got them out of jail a few times for sure in the last few weeks, but that is not going to last forever. Whereas Vale against Dale last weekend conceded three, getting sliced open by good passing and movement for Rochdale, which is what Swindon thrive in doing. So I think both teams can hurt each other um, metaphorically when it comes to goals. <laughs> BTTS yes at even money. The double there is my pick. Uh, Blackburn, Luton, BTTS no. Swindon, Port Vale, BTTS yes. Uh, remember guys, we're Betfair. If you bet £20 on multiples or bet builders, you get a £5 free bet to use also on multiples or bet builders. T's and C's do apply from that uh, for that. You can see them on the Betfair website. But if you bet £20 on multiples or bet builders, you'll receive a £5 free bet to use on multiples or bet builders, which just leaves a goal scorer pick looking to follow on from Harry Smith's famous day last weekend in South <laughs> Wales. What now? Yeah, you mentioned the game. I'm going to be there and it'll be bittersweet if Sam Vokes rises up and nods in the opener because I'm backing, well, I'm backing him at the tip again as any time, but I'm getting involved in the 13-2 first and the 13-2 last as well. Um, he's had a brilliant start to life at Wickham. You've, you've outlined there my concerns for the game quite well. I, I do think Wickham look a price. I do think it's going to be a difficult game for us. I do think our home form is, is generally very, very good. Um, but I think Wickham will cause us serious problems. Um, the set piece stuff has—it's not just the, Wick the the Wimbledon game. We've looked ropey from set pieces for a while now, and I'm sure that is an area where Wickham will try to um, exploit. You know, think back to the, um, the the playoff final, the last time these two sides met, and it was a set piece that's got, that got the first goal with. Jacobson crossing for, I think it was Anthony Stewart to, to head in the first. Yeah. Um, by the but, way, I will be backing Stewart to score if he starts. It's just that he um, he missed their last game through injury. I think he's back for this one. But I have but a I think, pr pretty clear image of Jacobson swinging one and he will be standing <laughs> on the goalkeeper in the six-yard box. I, I mean, the good thing is that <clears throat> I'm, I'm not necessarily convinced that Jack Stevens is, is a much better keeper than Simon Eastwood, but I, Stevens's command of his area is, is the strength and he is better at that. He's better at claiming the ball. Um, but Vokes, the good thing about Vokes is he'll be their main goal threat from open play and he will be one of their main goal, th goal threats from set pieces as well. We've already seen him score a header from a, from a corner. So you're getting a bit of a double bubble there. Um, so yeah, 11 to 4 for him to score any time seems massive to me um, for a player who will be, I have no doubt, I will have a couple of heart and mouth moments where I'm thinking like, please miss, but also, you know, at least I'll win some money if you score. <laughs> okay, well... I was surprised to see that in the MK Dons Portsmouth game that Troy Parrott is 7 to 1 to score the first goal in the match and 16 to 5 4.2 uh, to score any time so my pick is Troy Parrott to chirp away and score any time at 4.2 at 16 to 5 now, Parrott's been away on international duty with Ireland, but he only played 60 minutes in one of the three games, unused for the other two, and their last two games were at home. So initially, after an international break, you're always a bit worried about travel, fatigue, whatnot. Not too worried about either match fatigue. He's only played 
probably quite fresh actually he's only paid an hour in the last what 10 days uh, or travel fatigue where he's just you know he's just popped across the sea hasn't he to get back so I think he's ready and what we've seen so far at MK Dons this season is that Parrot is finally spreading his wings confident and sharp everything that we were told he was before that loan to Millwall and then that loan to Ipswich in the second half of last season neither of which were particularly happy times for Parrot he is repeatedly and that is a pun on a parrot <laughs> got into good goal scoring opportunities this season and he's already notched a couple every single game in fact and I watched all of his shots so far this season on Y Scout every single game he's had what I would define as a big chance I don't know if it will fit the Opta definition but against Accrington uh, the game that they won 2-0 he had a rebound blocked on the line he had a one-on-one saved when he tried to be clever and dink it over the keeper and he, and he just caught it uh, against Ipswich he ran in behind really nice ball in behind the defence chip over the top from O'Reilly found him and he fired wide in a good position against Charlton he had a one-on-one scored Sunderland he had a good chance scored both of his goals with his left foot as well his weaker foot which is really bodes well and against Bolton on opening day he had a, a huge chance blocked as well so every game he's played he's had a really good chance if he'd played against Cheltenham last weekend rather than being on international duty he absolutely would have scored I've got no doubt about that Unfortunately, uh, Charlie Brown, who replaced him, missed two very presentable opportunities. Crucially as well for me here, uh, I'm not saying this is a good thing at all in general, but Moisa, uh, who is his frontman partner, is injured. So Parrott will have to be the main man in Issa's absence. They've been sharing a lot of shots, a lot of goals, um, but Issa absent. So maybe Brown will continue. Maybe Bird, the youngster, maybe Twine will play a bit further forward and they'll bring in another attacking midfielder. But I just think for a team that we know has a lot of territory and generally creates quite a lot of chances for their number one um, goal getter on the pitch to be seven to one to score first. It feels huge to me. Um, as I say, I'm taking any time in terms of this selection, 16 to five, because the problem is the main issue, Portsmouth, they've not been giving up a lot of shots this season. And I'm sure that's why um, the price might be a bit longer than otherwise. What I would say to caveat that is Pompey have played four of the worst attacking teams in the division so far in Fleetwood, in Crewe, uh, Shrewsbury and Doncaster uh, and then finally they were breached by Wigan in a 1-0 defeat last time out so I think MK Dons are more on the Wigan side of things than the other four I certainly think they're a different beast in terms of how they attack and how many chances they create so Parrot 4.2 any time to score against Ipswich all of those prices are from the Betfair Sportsbook and the lay price of course from the Betfair Exchange George well done. Why don't we recap our bets? Okay, let's do that. I Regular listeners might realise I now write mine down, so I don't have that weird, annoying thing where I'm trying to remember them for ages. Um, my nap is QPR. Oh, my nap's QPR. My next best is FGR. Nice. My lay is Stoke. My goals bet is BTTS Morecambe against AFC Wimbledon. And my goal scorer bet is Samuel Vokes at 11-4 to 4 to score any time and break my heart. I would like Bournemouth and Fulham to win preferably, uh, in order for my nap to come in at 2.83. I would love Wickham to win against Oxford, despite your sentimental attachment to the the, the club in yellow. Uh, I've got them draw no bet, 5-4, 2.25. I'm laying Sunderland at 1.65 at home to Accrington this weekend. I've got a BTTS double, BTTS no, Blackburn Luton 2.1, BTTS yes, Swindon Port Vale at 2.0. That's 4.2 double. And the goal scorer, Troy Parrott, to score any time for MK Dons. He is 16-5 to 5 with Betfair Sportsbook, and I think that's very generous indeed. Guys, thank you for listening, as ever, to this week's NTT20 betting show. Pleasure to have you. Let us know what you think about our selections. Let us know what we've missed. 
if there's any extra value to be found in the EFL. It's always great to hear from you. Uh, we've had a great week on the NTT20 squad, particularly on the betting channel, a pretty iconic Tuesday night where Matt, who's a Wimbledon fan, uh, gave us a couple of thoughts on that Wimbledon-Portsmouth EFL trophy game, um, which ended up looking very, very smart when it came uh, the goals flying in. So that was a good day on the NTT20 squad, on the specific betting channel that we have on there. If you want to be a part of that, you can sign up. There's a two-week free trial option, so you can check it out. The link to join the NTT20 squad, where there's so much else going on aside from punting, uh, is in the description of this podcast. So I hope to see you there, and hope you have a good weekend. Best of luck with everything. We'll talk again on Monday on the NTT20 podcast, sponsored by Betfair.